This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. Grab your Bibles and turn to Psalm 71 again this morning, if you would. We're in in continuing in our online exclusive series entitled Hope from the Psalms. If you missed the end of the message so far, you can always get caught up at huikala.church. Uh, you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also download the Huikala app. No excuses for missing out on any of these messages uh, so far. If you haven't gotten the Huikala app, be sure to do that. There's actually a button on there that if you click Worship Together, there's actually a Plan of the Week button. You can actually see everything that's coming up for the week ahead. Uh, think of that as your digital bulletin uh, for the time being right now. And so uh, grab that if you have not already. Psalm 71, if you would, this morning. Last week, we took a look at this exact same psalm. I tried to cram everything into uh, one message, but uh, we see uh, I didn't make it. And so last week, we took a look at how God is our refuge. This take week, we're taking a look at hope in God's faithfulness. And so Psalm 71 is where we find ourselves this morning. Psalm 71, starting in verse number one, in thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Never let me be put to confusion. Deliver me in thy righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline thine ear unto me and save me. Be thou my strong habitation whereunto I may continually resort. Thou hast given commandment to save me. Thou art my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, O God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and the cruel man. For thou art my hope, O Lord God, thou art my trust for my youth. By thee have I been holden up from the womb. Thou art he that took me out of my mother's bowels. My praise shall be continually of thee. I am as a wonder unto many, but thou art my strong refuge. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. Cast me not off in thy time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. For mine enemies speak against me. They that lay wait for my soul take counsel together, saying, God hath forsaken him, persecute and take him, for there is none to deliver him. O God, be not far from me. O God, make haste for my help. Let them be confounded and consumed that are adversaries to my soul. Let them be covered with a reproach and dishonor that seeketh my hurt. But I will hope continually, and yet will I praise thee more and more. My mouth shall show forth thy righteousness and thy salvation all the day. For I know not the numbers thereof. I will go in strength in the Lord God. I will make mention of thy righteousness, even of thine only. O God, thou hast taught me from my youth, and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to every one that is to come. Thy righteousness also, O God, is very high. Who has done great things, O God, who is like unto thee? Thou which hast showed me great and sore troubles shall quicken me again and shall bring me up again from the depths of the earth. I shall increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. I will also praise thee with a psaltery, even thy truth, O my God. Unto thee will I sing with the harp. With the Holy One of Israel, my lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing unto thee, and my soul which thou hast redeemed. My tongue also shall talk of thy righteousness all the day long, for they are confounded, for they are brought unto shame that seek my hurts. If you've been walking with God for any length of time, you'll know one thing about God for sure is that he's faithful. He's good to the promises of his word, which is good for us because we actually got a whole book full of God's promises. Remember when Angela and I were newly married, uh, we were baby Christians, if you will, and didn't really know a lot about uh, God or walking with God. And thankfully, we had a, uh, another couple that had taken us under their wings, really poured their life into us. We would later understand what they were doing for us was uh, the idea of discipleship, teaching us what it meant to be committed followers of Jesus Christ. And we will forever uh, be indebted to Pat and Jane Smith for their investment in our lives. We didn't really know a lot about anything. We were just kind of figuring out uh, marriage and figuring out the whole Christian life kind of as we went. And time and time again, we saw ourselves come to the end of ourselves and we saw God provide. 
We saw us get to the end of how we thought we were going to be able to make everything work and come together, and we saw God provide. There was a time where we were self-employed. We had our own computer training and consulting company here in Honolulu, and it was right around the September 11th time frame, and we had basically were self-employed at the time. We are doing really well right up until the tragedy that took place that September, and then after that, our business completely and totally fell off a cliff. There's a period of time there shortly after that where we were really running on fumes and uh, the checks that we were writing weren't cashing and uh, it was a bad scene for sure. Remember that day I got in a bank statement in the mail. This would have been the time before uh, online banking, if you can imagine that. I got a bank statement in the mail and looked and our checking account was $50,000 overdrawn. That's 50000 overdrawn, which means if somebody wrote me a check for fifty grand, I would be even. I would be flat broke. And I remember in that moment thinking to myself, we are completely and totally sunk. There's no way in the world that we'll ever get through this. We'll never make it out on the other side of this. We are done, done, done. I remember explaining my our current situation to my wife, and I said, look, you know, we've got rent for the that we paid through the end of the month here, uh, but that's about it. We got nothing left. Uh, we had credit cards, but they were maxed out, and we were just in really bad shape. And she said, sweetheart, how about we pray? Great idea. To my shame, now I look back at that situation, that time in my life where I had to have my wife encourage me to be spiritual. Uh, And I learned a lot from that moment about really where to place our priorities, where to place our hope, if you will. And also made a commitment at that moment to never have to be led spiritually by my wife. There's been times where she's encouraged me and helped me, but I never want her to be the leader in our home because God's given me that role as a man and I said, yep, sweetheart, let's pray. And I'll never remember. I could take you to the house where we were living in, uh, in Kapolei at the time. I knelt down beside our bed upstairs, and we just prayed that God would do something special. It wasn't a massively long prayer. We didn't use any big words. We just said, God, we really need you to come through in a way that you never have before. We need you to do something for us that you're not doing for other people. And um, went into the office the next day, and there was a message on our answering machine. Somebody who actually wanted to procure our services and the amount that they wanted to procure our services was an amount of about $25,000. And we just said, praise God. And over the course of the next couple of weeks, God began to provide again and again and again and again into an insurmountable amount of money in my mind. Uh, was really, I realized at that moment, really just numbers for God and God provided for us in a real tangible way. When our daughter, Makili, was born, she had some health trials at about one years old. She had some surgeries. They thought for a period of time that she might have lymphoma cancer. They told us that there's a good possibility that she might not make it. She was having uh, seizures, and they didn't understand why. They began to ask a lot of questions and not get a lot of answers back. But remember, I gathered our family around in our living room. We just prayed that God would do something special. And you know what God did? I remember this building that... I'm in right now where we pray that God would do something special here for who we call a Baptist church. Who we call a Baptist church at the time existed in five people, members of my family. We pray that God would give us a building where we could proclaim the gospel, a center of operations that we could use to show forth his greatness, that we could use as a launching pad to saturate this city with the gospel. And we just prayed that God would do it. We saw God show up and provide not only a place, but he also provided, more importantly, a people. A people that we could share life with, that we could uh, work in the kingdom together with, that we could fulfill the mission that Jesus had given us through this city. And those people have become family to us over the last almost seven years now. Remember about two and a half years ago, probably about three years ago, we began to pray that God would allow us to expand our auditorium I talked with our landlord, and he said, actually, there's a spot directly behind your building that's going to become available soon. If you're interested in that, let me know. We were certainly interested, but we doubled our square footage, which meant we doubled our rent, and we didn't know how it was going to all work out, but we knew that God was in it, and we just trusted God, and God provided. And in times of uncertainty, all I have to do is think back at times that God has been, here's the word for the day, Faithful. 
I just have to remember when finances seem to overwhelm me that I remember that time where Angela and I knelt down beside our bed in Kapolei and prayed that God would do something special. And God came through because God owns everything anyways. God's not broke. He can provide for whatever our financial need is. Really, the money that we sometimes hold so near and dear to our heart is really just paper and numbers to our God. It's nothing to him. The health that you and I desire, the healing that we so desperately need many times for ourselves or for our children or for our loved ones, we just have to remember that God is the healer and sustainer of all things. That Jesus could touch people and they would be healed immediately. The Bible says that if any of you are sick, you need to pray and have other people pray for you and trust in God's deliverance. And I just remember how faithful God's been. Whenever I wonder what's gonna happen, I'll confess to you when we got the word that we couldn't meet for an undetermined period of time, I panicked for about 30 minutes. What are we gonna do? How are we gonna get through this? And then I remember the faithfulness of God and how he's brought us through bigger things than this before, how our church started with five people and God brought the right people at the right time to fulfill the right roles because it's his church, not mine. And I remembered Everything's gonna be okay. And in that moment, I had hope in God's faithfulness. So take a look at this passage of scripture this morning. Take a look, if you would, at verse number five and six. For thou art my hope, O Lord God. Thou art my trust from my youth. By thee have I been holding up from the mother's womb, from the womb, Thou art he that took me out of my mother's bowels. My praise shall continually be of thee. You see, we have hope in God's faithfulness. We have hope in God's faithfulness this morning because as we look back at the past, we see that God's been faithful. Again, we see in verse number six, he says, by thee have I been holding up from the womb. The apostle Paul, when he was writing to Timothy, he said to him that the Lord blessed me and called me from my mother's womb. And we, we talked about last week how some of you might say, well, I haven't been following Jesus my whole life. God has been protecting you your whole life. Paul was a hater of Jesus Christ and God protected him from his mother's womb to accomplish the work that he had for him to do. Many of us look back at periods of time in our life where we probably should have been dead by now. I remember I was nine years old. I was riding a four-wheeler in my backyard that belonged to my uncle. My parents wouldn't allow me to have a four-wheeler because you get hurt. My parents had a big six-acre open field in the back that I was riding that four-wheeler through, not a, a tree, not a bump. It was flat. <laughs> Anthony couldn't possibly get hurt in this area because it's flat. There's nothing around. Well, leave it to me, as klutzy and clumsy as I am, I found the one hill that was about six inches high in the entire field, and I hit that and went into a barbed wire fence and got pulled off the four-wheeler by my neck on a barbed wire fence and completely and totally slashed my neck open. I remember as I was running across the back of the field holding my neck, and I looked, and there's blood covering all of it and everything, and I began to stumble into my dad's shop and told him what had happened, and uh, we get in the car, and we rushed to the emergency room. They got me cleaned up, and I was looking at it, and ended up putting 25 stitches in my neck, and they said, had it been another quarter of an inch over, it would have cut his artery, and he would have bled out before he ever made it to the hospital, and that's an issue where I see that God was protecting me. And then during that time, God was faithful. I bet you can look back at a time in your life where things really could have went sideways or where you could have faced certain death or maybe an instance where other people didn't make it, but you did. And you can look back and say, God, you've been faithful in the past. Psalm 71, 17 says, Oh God, thou hast taught me from my youth and hitherto I have declared thy wondrous works. God, from the very beginning, you've been teaching me lesson after lesson after lesson. God, you've been showing me how good you are. You've been showing me how faithful you are and you've been faithful from the time I was born and I can guarantee if you've been faithful all this time, you're gonna continue to be faithful to me. God's not only faithful in the past, he's also faithful in the present. Listen in verse number five, he says, thou art my hope. Not thou were my hope, 
Once upon a time, I had hope in you. No, no, no. You are my hope today because you are faithful time and time and time again. You see, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 8, the apostle Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. And he says to him, we're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body, for which we live, we're always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh, so then death worketh in us, but life in you. Paul says, hey guys, everything's good. Not like everything's good because everything's going our way. Actually, everything's falling apart from a worldly perspective, but we're not concerned. Again, verse number eight, he says, we're troubled on every side, but we're not distressed. I mean, we've got difficulty, but we're not sweating this. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're cast down, but we're not destroyed. God, you're faithful. And whatever you're facing this week, I can promise you this, with God-given authority, God is faithful. He's faithful. There are so many times where people send me messages, hey, pastor, just wanna let you know I lost my job. Hey, pastor, just wanna let you know that that court case we were involved in didn't go our way. Hey, pastor, I just wanna let you know that I got let go. I didn't get the job. Some of the most heartbreaking texts that I've had to receive as a pastor. Pastor, we went in to take a look at the baby, but there wasn't a heartbeat. When I receive messages like that, there's no words to make it okay. I know people think that pastors are supposed to have magical words that they can say to make all the problems go away, but when in the deepest pit of your hurt and your pain, please remember these three words. And 99 times out of 100, when I receive messages like that, this is my response. These three words. God is faithful. He's faithful. I'm sorry to hear that. My heart is breaking with yours. If there's anything that I can do, please don't hesitate to let me know. God is faithful. Because friend, at the end of the day, we cannot hope in our own faithfulness, we will fail. We cannot hope in our own strength, it's finite. We cannot hope in our own wisdom, it's limited. But we can always find hope in the faithfulness of God. Past, present, and we can trust him for the future. Notice what the psalmist says in Psalm 71, verse number eight. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. You know what he says? God, I'm not gonna stop praising you. I'm gonna trust you. I'm always going to be praising you. Every day that I'm alive, every moment, I'm just gonna praise. I've already made up my mind ahead of time. I know that when I face difficulty, you'll be there, you'll be faithful, you'll see me through it, so I choose in advance to trust you. Psalm 34, verse number one, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord, and the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. I've just made up my mind ahead of time, whatever comes my way, God knows, and he's faithful. I know whatever I'm facing today, tomorrow, or 20 years from now, I know that God's faithful. I know that he'll see me through it. I know that he'll provide. I know that he'll meet needs. I know that he's looking out for me. Again, I go back to the promises of God's word. No good thing will he withhold from them which walk uprightly. So I wanna put my eyes on Jesus and trust him, and the Bible's promised me he's gonna take care of me every step along the way. So we have a hope in God's faithfulness. Secondly, in this passage here, I think is really important for us to note as well that trials are proof 
of where we place our hope. Think about that. The word, very word of trial means a test, putting something to the test to determine maybe what it's made of. When we put people on trial, we look at the facts to determine the validity of the charges against them. When you and I have our faith put to trial, it is a test of our faith to determine if there's any validity to what we say our faith is in. Take a look at verse number seven in this passage, Psalm 71, verse seven. I am as a wonder unto many, but thou art my strong refuge. As he says that first part of the the verse there, he says, I am a wonder unto many. The idea that he's talking of here is that I'm a sign, I'm an example that, that God has placed me in a position where I get to be put on display and that other people get to watch. The idea of being a wonder is a sign or a warning of something that will happen. So in this case, God says, or the psalmist says, God's put me here as an example and everyone's watching. Again, look at verse seven. I'm as a wonder unto many. Everybody's watching what's going on in this situation, but thou art my strong refuge. Hey, everybody's watching, and you know what? Watch, because God's my strong refuge. Oh, you're looking to see how this is gonna work out? I can't wait for you to see how awesome my God is. I can't wait to tell you the story of how God brings me through this. Hui Kala. I really believe that six months from now, we'll be telling stories about what God brought us through and how he brought us through them. My wife this past Monday night had a call with our ladies of our church. And ladies, if you wanna jump onto our ladies online fellowship on Monday nights at six o'clock, feel free to do that. But her question to the ladies this week was, how has the Holy Spirit, the comforter, shown up for you in real tangible ways. And she said, ladies just began to pour out their hearts of the way that they felt the Holy Spirit at work in their life as the comforter. That God brought them a peace that passes all understanding through the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And there were many times difficult circumstances that God had brought them through or times of calamity or times of trial that they remembered God showing up in a real tangible way. And you know what that is? That's a trial that was sent to prove where you place your hope. And friends, these times that we're in, while uncertain, is our opportunity to be an example to all that would see where we really put our hope. You see, if you say that you put your hope in the Lord during this time, but you haven't prayed that God would provide for you, that he'd meet your needs, that he would preserve you, deliver you during this time, your hope really isn't in the Lord. You're just trying to figure it out all on your own. The story that I told you about us being self-employed before and being $50,000 overdrawn in our checking account, I had figured out every single person that I could possibly ask for money, people that I could borrow money from, side jobs that I could work to bring in income, loans that I could take out, small business uh, opportunities that I could go after. I tried everything that I could to figure out what we could do to get out of the mess we were in. And my wife says, maybe we should pray. That just tells you where my hope was at. My hope was in what I could do. And I had come to the end of myself. And that trial proved where my hope was. It was in myself and what I could do and what I could figure out. But the moment that we placed our hope in the Lord, God turned everything around. And friend, I'm not saying that if you put your hope in the Lord that everything in 24 hours is gonna turn around. I'm telling you, it will turn around, guaranteed. You see, when we think of testing and trial, we think to ourselves, well, God's putting me to a test to see if I really uh, will come through and I wanna show God that I'm faithful. Here's the thing about our tests. A test doesn't show God where our allegiance lies but it proves what God already knows to us and others. Think about that for a second. A test doesn't show God where our allegiance lies, but it proves what God already knows, and he proves it to us and to others. You see, here's the thing. God already knows how this all unfolds because he's God, 
He's omniscient, which means he knows all things. He's sovereign, which means he knows the beginning from the end. And so God's not sitting around going, ooh, I hope Anthony passes the test. Ooh, I hope it works out for him. Oh, I hope he chooses the right thing. I hope Anthony puts his faith and trust in me. No, God already knows. God takes us through trials and testing times for us to look inside of ourselves. How will I get through this? Where will I run to? What will I lean on? Is God enough? Is it just enough to pray and trust the Lord and, and do the right thing? Is it enough? One way to find out, take God at his word. You see, this trial that God has brought you to or the trial that God's gonna bring you to is really just to show you what you're made of. Not to him, he already knows. To you, to others around you. You see, that time where I was leaning on my own strength, I proved to my wife where I put my trust and then she proved to me where she was putting hers. You see, all it does is reveal what's already inside of us. Many times people think, well, this, uh, you know, this quarantine, this stay-at-home, work-at-home thing, it's just kind of brought out the worst in me. <laughs> the worst was already in you. It just brought it out. It just exposed you for what you already are. And when we come to times like this, it's important to understand this is meant to put us under the microscope to examine our own lives this would be a great time for you to pull over to the side of the road and say, hey, God, is everything right between us? Hey, God, am I really trusting in you? God, is there anything in my life that needs to go during this time? Man, if you would use this time as an opportunity of growth, an opportunity of pruning, an opportunity of repentance, this could be one of the most monumental times in your life, in your life. in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse number five through eight. Thus saith the Lord, cursed be the man that trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arm and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like a heath in the desert and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land and not inhabited. God says, if you're trusting in yourself, you're already cursed. You think you're strong enough to make it through this? Think again. You don't think you need the Lord during this time? Maybe you don't need him right now, but you're gonna need him someday in the future. And if you're trusting in yourself, please know you're already done. God's word says that. Cursed be the man that trusteth in man and whose heart departeth from the Lord. This is a great opportunity to say as well, if you think that you're making it to heaven based on what you've done or how good you are or the good works that you've done, you're mistaken. If you think you're going to heaven because of the church that you belong to or the place that you were baptized or who baptized you, you are mistaken. The Bible says that all of us will meet God in judgment one day. It's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment that because of our sin, we'll be held accountable on that day of judgment before God for the way that we lived our life, for the sin that we committed, all of us. And the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And friend, if we stand there in the strength of our own arm, as this verse here says, we stand there with our trust in ourselves that we have done the right thing, that we have done enough, that we have been good enough. The Bible says we will be cursed on that day. The Bible says if you do not have Jesus Christ as your Savior, that the wrath of God abides on you. And that's heavy, folks. If you stand before God one day in your own strength, in your own power, God says, cursed. You'll be separated from God forever in a place called hell that burns with real fire for all of eternity. The Bible says this is the second death. This is the payment for your sin. But God never intended you to trust in yourself. God never intended you to trust in your own power or your own strength. He has always been there. He has always been faithful. He has always provided a way for you to come to him and to trust in him. 
And when it comes to our eternity, he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to pay for your sin. Romans chapter five, verse number eight, but God commendeth, the word commendeth means demonstrates. God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I was supposed to die, Jesus died in my place. You were supposed to die, Jesus died in your place. And the Bible says that there was a payment that was necessary for sin, and that payment was death. And Jesus says, I'll pay it. And Jesus, by his death upon the cross, and by his glorious resurrection that third day from the grave, has paid for sin and death once and for all. But it requires something from you. Oh, great, this is where I get baptized. No, not your baptism. Well, I don't know if I can attend church every single Sunday for the rest of my life. The wages of sin is not church attendance. God requires from you faith, which is a belief in him that he is enough, that his son Jesus died on the cross and that was good enough for the payment for your sins. And God requires repentance. Faith and repentance, that's all God wants from you. Repentance means to turn from and turn to. I was once in my sin, but I turned away from my sin and I turned to Jesus. And I realized that I was wrong in my sin and I'm sorry for my sin. I'm asking God to forgive me of my sin and to save me. And if I believe that God is able and I repent of my sin, the Bible says that I can be saved. And when I stand before God, I'm not standing before God giving him a long list of all the things that I've done, hoping that will get me to heaven. That word hope in that case is used as a wish but I stand before God in the hope of the blood of Jesus Christ. And when I stand before God, he'll see that Jesus Christ's blood has been applied to my account, that I had faith and that I repented and that he adopted me into his family. He wrote my name in the book of life. He covered my sins once and for all. And when God sees me, he's gonna say, Anthony, welcome home, son. Come on in. There won't be a scale on that day to weigh my good versus my bad. No, no, no. What have you done with Jesus? If you're trusting in yourself in this life, you'll be disappointed. If you're trusting in yourself for your eternity, you'll not only be disappointed, you will be enduring God's wrath for all of eternity. Friend, if you don't know that you're saved, be saved today. Is your pride enough that you'd be willing to suffer for all of eternity separated from God? Is your pride so great that you would take a loving God who sacrificed everything for you and say, now, I'm good. You see, I'm less concerned with the person who doesn't want to go to heaven. I'm more concerned with the person who doesn't want anything to do with God. And friend, let today be the day you say, I believe, I repent. Put your faith in Jesus. Go back to your notes of Jeremiah 17. Thus saith the Lord, cursed be the man that trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arm, whose heart departeth from the Lord, for he shall be like a heath in the desert and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness and a salt land and not inhabited. You're gonna be like a person living out in the middle of the desert with no water in a parched place with no one else around if you choose to trust in yourself. But take a look at what he says after that. But blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but a leaf shall be green, Shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. <laughs> Again, look at what verse number eight says there. And shall not be careful in the year of drought. It means not worried in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Hey, during the lean times where there's no rain, it's gonna keep cranking out fruit and it's not worried at all. You know, friend, the Christian that trusts in God and his faithfulness, is not really all that concerned about this current situation. 
because God's going to provide. He's going to meet our need. He's going to take care of us. He'll see us through this. You know why? Because he's been faithful in the past. He's faithful in the present, and he'll be faithful in the future. And my trust is in the Lord. You see, how you handle blessings and trials speaks volumes as to where your hope lies. Think about that for just a second. How you handle blessings and trials speaks volumes about where your hope lies. You see men that were promoted at work that thumped their chest. Yeah, I should have made it two years ago. After that, after I did this, that, and the other, worked on this project, worked on that project, I'm surprised I didn't get it two years ago. Five knuckleheads got promoted before me that should have never gotten it. I should have gotten it. Yep, you're trusting in yourself your hopes in yourself. I've seen other men who, Pastor, I don't deserve it, but I'm blessed. Pastor, I'm completely humbled by this opportunity that God's dropped in my lap. I don't deserve it. Many good men got passed over before I got this. And I'm just gonna use this as an opportunity to be faithful to the Lord. Man, I love that. I've seen other folks who God's blessed them with a sum of money out of nowhere. Pastor, I want to use this to, to bless the family in our church. Pastor, I want to give this towards our building project. Pastor, do you know of somebody in need? Hey, Pastor, I heard somebody in our church needs a car. I want to donate a car to them. God's done things like that time and time again. The family early on in our uh, church where uh, the starting of Huikala, we had uh, put all of our time, energy, resources, money into... Um, the building, which is now our super church uh, auditorium, getting that ready. And uh, our family was, was living in basically an attic. Uh, we had plywood floors, and it was rough. But it was home. God had been good. He was faithful, and we trusted him. There was a family in our church who had uh, sold a house on the mainland. They said, Pastor, we want to give this money to your family. And I said, well, I can't accept that. And said, no, I want you to take something. I want you to do something nice for your family in your home. And again, we had plywood floors at the time, and, and but we were thankful, and God was faithful. And um, I remember that very first Christmas, that family had given us that money, and we had um, put carpet in our kids' bedrooms. That was huge. And I look back now at how God's been faithful, and God used people that he had blessed with finances and use them to be a blessing to someone else. That family didn't know that we were praying that God would provide. That family didn't know that we couldn't afford to put carpet in our kids' room. Family didn't know. But you know what they said? God's been faithful. We want to be faithful. We want to take what God's given us and bless others. And that speaks volumes to where we place our trust, where we place our hope. We continue looking at this passage this morning. We see also that hope is always connected to praise. It seems like every single week we keep coming back to this theme of praise, praise, praise. The, the book of Psalms is a psalm of, uh, is a book of lament, but it's also a book of praise. You see the idea of praise woven all through and the beautiful thing, you'll find this as you read through the book of Psalms. If you've never read through the whole book, you gotta read through it. It's, it's a, not only a literary masterpiece, it's not only a biblical masterpiece, but it's one of the greatest sources of hope and encouragement in all of the world, all of the world. As you read through the book of Psalms, some of the Psalms of lament where bad things are going on, tough things are happening right now, I don't know how I'm gonna get out of this, Almost always, the Psalms of Lament end with a thought of praise. But thou art faithful. But God, you are good. But in thee do I put my trust. Again, the theme of praise is woven all through this book, and we see that hope is always connected to praise. Take a look at verse number 14 in our passage this morning, Psalm 71, verse 14. But I will hope continually and will yet Praise thee more and more. My mouth shall show forth thy righteousness and thy salvation all the day, for I know not the numbers thereof. I love what verse 15 says. I don't know how many days I got left. I know not the numbers of my days, but as long as I got it, I'm gonna praise. 
See, it's important to understand that praise is a choice. Praise is a choice. We don't just praise when things are going our way and then gripe when things aren't because we can always find something that isn't going our way. We praise at all times. We as Christians, praise is just a way of life for us. For we as Christians, we shouldn't be the types that have to find the silver lining in everything. We're the ones who are blinded by the sunlight. And I don't have time to look at those gloomy clouds over there because I'm blinded by God's goodness. Praise is a choice. In your notes here this morning, Lamentations chapter three, verse number 13. He that caused the arrows of his quiver to enter into my reins, I was a derision to all my people and their song all the day, people hated my guts. He filled me with bitterness. He hath made me drunken with wormwood. He hath also broken my teeth with gravel stones. He hath covered me with ashes. And thou hast removed my soul far off from peace. I forgot prosperity. Talk about somebody who's going through a difficult time. Now, the book of Lamentations is talking about the children of Israel being taken into captivity and the the temple being uh, destroyed. But... The writer of Lamentations here says, I was going through a rough spot, and it was really bad. And I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. Remembering mine affliction and misery, the wormwood and gall, my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. I can't forget about how I felt. I can't forget about how difficult this was. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. I remember this, and now I have hope. This next verse, some of you should write on a three-by-five card this week and stick it somewhere, commit it to memory. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore, will I hope in him. The writer here says, hey, my life was a wreck. Everything was against me. I thought I was gonna die. But I remember this. God's mercy and compassion doesn't fail. Great is thy faithfulness. I love it. It says, his compassions, they're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore, will I hope in him. I choose to praise today. Hey, folks, if you're struggling financially, praise God for what you do have. Praise God for what you've had in the past. Praise God for how he's gonna deliver you in the future. If you're one of the folks in our church who has lost their job, would you praise God that when he comes through for you, that this is gonna be amazing? Praise in advance. I automatically know that God's gonna work this out. So I'm just praising him ahead of time by faith because praise is a choice. But you see, hope is also a choice. Again, when we talk of hope, we're talking about a confident expectation of God based on his character and the promises of his word. I know God's gonna do this and that is my hope. Again, it's not a wish It's not something I I hope will come true. It is a confident expectation. I know God's gonna do this. And when we choose to have hope, hope is a choice. 1 Peter 1, verse number 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The idea in the, uh, the Bible of girding up your loins, uh, men and women would often uh, be dressed in long robes. 
When it came time to run or time to get ready for battle, got time to throw down or get after it or do something, they would take their robes and they would roll them up and put them around here. And then they would take that and they would put a girdle or some type of rope that they would tie around their robe that they had tied up so that it didn't fall down. And now they could get after it. Whether they were going out to fight, whether they were getting ready to run because they had somewhere to be, they were girding up their loins. They were getting ready for action. I love what Peter says here. Gird up the loins of your mind. Get your head straight. Get your head ready for action. Get ready. Let's do this. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hey, mm, this is good. Get your head straight. Remember, put your hope in the fact that one day you're going to get to see Jesus face-to-face. That's what it says. Hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When you get to see Jesus, everything you have ever hoped for in your entire life will be realized in that moment. Let that keep you going. Let that to be the gas in your tank that you need to make it through this week, next week, and the next 10 years. The hope that we have, but hope's a choice. Next in this passage, we see that we find hope and rest in God's continual faithfulness. Again, he's faithful again and again and again. Take a look at verse number 19. Thy righteousness also, O God, is very high, who has done great things. O God, who is like unto thee? It's a great question. God, you're so good. You're so faithful. Who, who could we even compare you to? Thou which has showed me great and sore troubles shall quicken me again and shall bring me up again from the depths of the earth. It's kind of an interesting thing to praise, verse number 20, if you would. Kind of strange, isn't it, to praise that way? Thou which has showed me great and sore troubles. God, you've showed me some of the worst days of my life. Strange praise, isn't it? That would be a complaint if that were the end of it. God, you've shown me great and sore troubles, but you'll make me alive again. That's what the word quicken means, to be made alive, but you'll make me alive again. Hey, God, I've gone through rough stuff, but you've always brought me back up out of it. God, you've always provided for me. You've always met my needs. You'll quicken me again and make me, bring me up again from the depths of the earth. Verse number 21 says this, thou shalt increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. I'm gonna, friend, understand this. God's plan during this time in your life is that you would come out on the other side of this better than you are before you started. That's what this says. Verse 21, thou shalt increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. I'm going to come out of this better, stronger, more in love with Jesus, deeper in my faith towards God, greater in my appreciation of my brother and sister in Christian community, greater appreciation for Jesus' church, greater reliance upon the word of God. I'm going to come out better on the other side of this. And I have hope because God's faithful like that. Psalm 86, verse number seven, in the day of trouble, I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. Among the gods, there's none like unto thee, O Lord. Neither are there any works like unto thy works. I know that God's gonna continue to be faithful. I know he's gonna continue to provide. I know that he's gonna bring me out on this, the other side, better, faster, stronger than I was before. Psalm 89, verse number eight. O Lord God of hosts, who is strong Lord like unto thee. Again, again and again and again, as we look through the Psalms, he's like, I'm trying to think of somebody to compare you to and I just can't. There's nobody like you. There's no other God like you. There's no other person like you. I can't even draw a correlation between you and someone else. Who's a strong Lord like unto thee? Or to thy faithfulness round about thee? Thou rulest the raging sea. When the waves thereof arise, thou stillest them. You calm the seas. Thou broken Rahab into pieces as one that is slain. Thou hast scattered thine enemies with thy strong arm. 
The heavens are thine, the earth is also thine, and as for the world and the fullness thereof, thou hast founded them, the north and the south, thou hast created them. Tabor and Hermon shall rejoice in thy name. Thou hast a mighty arm, strong is thy hand, and high is thy right hand. Justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. Mercy and truth shall go before thy face. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. In thy name shall they rejoice all the day long. In thy righteousness shall they be exalted. For thou art the glory of their strength. And in thy favor of our horn shall be exalted. Oh God, we glory in your strength. We know that when it comes to us and us making a plan to get out of the mess that we're in, we're toast. Even the best plans that that one could dream up can't possibly bring us out of the mess that we're in. Some folks have uh, already begun getting their government stimulus checks. And I heard somebody sent me a news article the other day. Uh, They're talking about now creating an ongoing stimulus because $1,200 a person wasn't enough, so we're going to start doing $2,000 a month. And I think to myself, is this really what we've come to, that our hope is in a government plan to get us out of the mess? Repent, come to God, trust in him. Now, again, I'm not saying I I don't want to fall in line with the idea of the folks that believe that the COVID-19 or coronavirus is God's judgment upon the world for forgetting him and things like that. Know this, any sickness is a result of sin. Sickness is in this world because of sin. God never planned that. Death is a result of our sin. Suffering is a result of our sin. Regardless of what kind of suffering, what kind of sickness, what kind of death, it's a result of sin. And oh, that our nation would turn back to God. Oh, that our city would turn back to God. Oh, that some in our church would turn back to God during this time. And God would strengthen us together. But here's the thing. My hope is not in a government program. My hope is not in politicians. My hope is not in the medical community. My hope is in the Lord. And I trust him. And again, we're getting conflicting reports from every side about when we can gather back together and worship. Some people say, oh, it's gonna be May 15th. Other people say it's gonna be June 1. Other folks are saying it might not be till 2021. Hey, whatever the case, I know this. God is in charge and he'll take care of his church because he loves his church a lot more than you and I do. He gave his own son to purchase it. God's faithful and we trust in his faithfulness. Final thought here this morning. While God's faithfulness to us is already determined, we must choose to be faithful to him. Oh, you see, God's gonna be faithful. Mark it down. That's already determined. It's already been written in God's word. He's gonna be faithful. There's never been a time where God hasn't been faithful. There's never been a time where God says he was gonna come through, but he didn't really come through. There's never been a time where God didn't said he was going to meet a need that he didn't meet a need. So God's faithfulness is already determined, but you and I, we got to make a choice to be faithful. I have to predetermine that I'm going to follow after God during this time and every other time. There's been times in my life where I was in a bad situation and I asked God to bail me out and he did. And as soon as he bailed me out, I went back to the way that I was doing things before. That's why I said last week, it's easy to, sh- to point your finger at the children of Israel and go, ah, oh, a bunch of knuckleheads. Every time God delivered you, you went back to your sin. Yeah, I've been that knucklehead before. But you see, if God's already determined he's gonna be faithful, I gotta make the same determination that I'm gonna be faithful. Take a look if you go to verse number 18 in this passage. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not, until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. As the psalmist writes this, he says, hey, look, you've been faithful. You're gonna continue to be faithful. But when I'm an old man, old and gray-headed, I still wanna be faithful. I've already made a determination. God, don't forsake me. God, don't leave me hanging until I make sure that everyone in this generation and the next knows about how good you are. God, keep me faithful to the end. 
I pray that God would give me day by day the strength that I need to walk with him and to be faithful until death. I had a mentor one time that said to me one time that he wants his children to mourn his passing more than they would mourn his living. The idea is that if he fell into sin in some way that his children would mourn the fact that their father was alive yet away from the Lord. I want to die with my honor intact. I want to die with my marital fidelity intact. I want to die with my faithfulness to Jesus intact. I don't want to be a flash in the pan. I don't want to be a a quick burnout. Oh, he's faithful to Jesus for a few years and then he went his own way and did his own thing. No, no, no. I want to be faithful till the day I get to see my Savior face to face. But you see, I had to make a decision to do that. Angela and I, when we first got married, we dabbled in church. If there were four, four weeks in a month, we'd go to church maybe two Sunday mornings a month. Dabbled in it. If it was convenient for us, we, we would do it. If not, we wouldn't. And let me just tell you, that provides little to no benefit to anybody. Of a given week or a given month, two hours under half-hearted commitment to preaching doesn't really do anybody any good. Understand that there's some value to it. Faith comes with my hearing and hearing by the word of God, being in the right place, uh, if even for the wrong reasons, has some merit to it, I'm sure. But everything for us changed when we said, this is not something we want to do on Sunday mornings. This is something we want to do every day for the rest of our lives. Everything changed. And Many of you have had a time in your life where you've accepted Christ as Savior. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and I confess my sin to Him and accept Him as my Savior. But you've never really made a commitment for the long haul. Oh, you'll trust God with your eternal salvation, but you're not willing to trust Him with the day-to-day stuff. I'm gonna keep that close to the chest. I'm gonna get my own thing going on over here that I got eternal salvation, God can handle that. I got everything else handled but you need to come to a place where you decide, God, you've been so faithful to me, I'm gonna be faithful to you until I die. And I love what this verse says here. He says, again, take a look if you would at verse number 18. Now also when I'm old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not until I've showed, until I've showed thy strength, your strength to this generation. I want everybody that's ever known my name to know how great my God is. That's how committed to this I am. When I'm an old man, I want every single person that knows me to know how good you are. But he doesn't stop there. Until I've showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about leaving a godly legacy. A godly legacy. You see, many of us don't know a lot about our family tree. Most of us probably couldn't name our great-great-grandparents or maybe even both sets of our great-grandparents. We don't know a lot about what is uh, up the way. But here's the thing that I was impacted by. My parents made a decision to follow after Jesus. You know what that did? It radically impacted my life. And that impacted my marriage, and now it's impacted my children. And by the grace of God, it will continue to impact my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren long after I'm gone. And I don't know, maybe one day somebody will find a scrapbook somewhere, and they'll say, who's this guy here? Oh, that's your great-great-grandfather. Huh, he was a Baptist preacher, huh? What was his story? He was just a regular dude who trusted God at his word and God was faithful to him. I want to leave that kind of legacy. I don't have a lot of earthly possessions to offer my children or to my grandchildren. My kids, when I die, aren't going to get a big inheritance and that's no shock to them. But I do want to leave a legacy of faith. I want every person in this generation to know how great our God is and I want everyone that comes after them to know the greatness of our God through my life. That's what I want. I want to be used of God to that end. 
Jeremiah 17, verse number 13. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all that forsake thee shall be ashamed, and they that depart from me shall be written in the earth because they've forsaken the Lord, the fountains of the living water. Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for thou art my praise. You know, Jeremiah is saying, hey, people that have forgotten you, God, they're gonna be ashamed. Jeremiah, we sometimes refer to as the weeping prophet. God says, go tell the children of Israel to repent and turn back to me. But by the way, Jeremiah, nobody's gonna listen to you. But go anyways. I can't imagine how demoralizing that would have been to have preached and preached and preached about repentance and have people do the exact opposite. Jeremiah got it. Again, verse number 13, O Lord, the hope of Israel, all that forsake thee shall be ashamed. And they that depart from me shall be written in the earth because they've forsaken the Lord, the fountain of the living waters. Again, if you're looking for fulfillment, you're looking for hope outside of Jesus, you're gonna be disappointed. Psalm 78, verse number four, speaks of legacy. We will not hide them from their children, showing the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength, his wonderful works that he hath done. We're not gonna keep back from telling people about how great God's been. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make known to their children. Deuteronomy chapter six tells about how the fathers are required to teach their children about God and his law and who he is. It says that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God but keep his commandments. God says we've got an obligation to teach our children and teach anybody that'll listen how faithful our God is so that they can follow after him too and they can see him provide and meet needs and work and move in a supernatural way. They might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God. Time and time again throughout the Old Testament, God commands the children of Israel to not forget, to remember the works of the Lord. Time and time again, he calls for them to praise. You know why? Because we have a short span of attention. We have a short memory span, and we forget about how good God's been. And when trials and difficulties come our way, we immediately go into panic mode. Oh no, what are we gonna do? How are we gonna handle this? What's gonna happen? And then if we just stop for a second and remember, oh yeah, God's faithful. Oh yeah, God's gonna provide. Oh yeah, I've seen this before. This is just an opportunity for God to show up and do something special. And friend, God has brought you to this place today to remember his faithfulness. There are some people in our church that this has affected them really not at all. That they've got a few extra days off of work, they're able to, to relax a little bit, spend a little bit of extra time with the kids. There's some people that this has impacted to a certain degree. Maybe they've uh, lost some income or maybe lost some hours at work or maybe unsure of the future. There's other people in our church that this has impacted massively. They're wondering about how they're gonna pay rent this month. They're concerned about getting a job now that they've lost their job in a state with 40% unemployment. But the message is really the same. For those that have been minimally impacted and those whose world has been turned upside down, the fact is exactly the same. God is faithful. Trust in his faithfulness. Hope in his faithfulness. Here's the thing. You know what's in short supply these days? Thankfully not toilet paper. <laughs> Seems like our toilet paper stock's going back up. You know what's in short supply these days? Not frozen pizzas. They have plenty of frozen pizzas to go around. You know what's in short supply? Not ice cream. We were at the store the other day and there's plenty of ice cream to go around. We went to buy sweet bread the other day to take to some folks in our church. And uh, we were told there was a limit on sweet bread, so evidently there is a shortage of sweet bread. But you know what else is in really short supply? Hope. Do you know what you and I have a stock room full of that we can share with others? Hope. 
You know, it, it's funny. We uh, want to talk about people who want to hoard toilet paper. You know, they want to buy, you know, three cases of toilet paper and put it in their garage and put a blanket over it and save it for a rainy day. We say, you're foolish uh, buying that. We, we think it's foolish for people to hoard rice and buy, you know, four 50-pound bags of rice. You know how long it would take you to eat through a 50-pound bag of rice? Come on. We look at that and they go, man, how inconsiderate these people hoarding like this. Be careful that you and I don't hoard hope. I'm keeping it, but I'm keeping it for myself. I remember how God's been faithful, but I don't want to tell anybody about that. We become hoarders of hope. I just thought about that. That's like a good message series title, The Hoarders of Hope. Uh, the problem is things like that have to be backed up from the Bible, and so I don't know how we do that yet. But anyways, that doesn't matter. Don't be a hoarder of hope. Spread it freely. Give it out. There's enough to go around because God is faithful. During this time, our hope is not in what we can do, what we can figure out. Our hope is not in the next stimulus check that comes in the mail. Our hope is not in uh, whenever the country can start back up again or when we can start putting out applications for jobs. Our hope is in the Lord and our hope is in his faithfulness. If you're listening to this this morning and you don't know for sure that you're saved, put your hope in your eternity in Jesus Christ. He'll never disappoint you. And when you become a child of God, all the promises of God's word are yours, free for the taking. Not only does he save you from your sin, he saves you from a meaningless life. He saves you from God's wrath and judgment. And he adopts you into his family and he saves you to himself, for himself. And what a gift. If you're not saved, put your faith and trust in Jesus today. God, I believe that I'm a sinner. God, I believe that I deserve your judgment but I believe in Jesus Christ as my Savior. Forgive me today and save me of my sin, and God would do it today. But for those of us that are saved, let's spread a little bit of hope this week. Let's talk about God's faithfulness this week. If you're a parent, you should share stories with your kids about how God's been faithful and how he's come through for you. If you're married, you should share with your spouse of times you've seen God be faithful and pray for God to continue to be faithful to you and that you would be faithful to him. If you're a single adult, would you share with other single adults how God's been faithful to you and how he's brought you through things and how he's been strong on your behalf? And when faced with dark, dark days, when faced with uncertainty, when your hope seems depleted, please remember three words. God is faithful. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we love you and we thank you for your faithfulness today. Thank you for the fact that we don't have to wonder how all this is gonna work out. We don't have to fear. We don't have the answers. We can hope in you because you've been faithful past, present, and you'll continue to be faithful in the future. God, help us to choose to praise, help us to choose to hope, and help us share that hope with others. God, if I pray if there's somebody listening today that is not saved, that today would be the day that they put their faith and trust in Jesus as Savior. And God, I pray for those of us that are saved. I pray that we would not be hoarders of hope, but I pray that we would spread it at every opportunity that we get. Father, we thank you for being faithful to us. Help us to be faithful to you day by day. I pray that the day we get to see you face to face, I pray that you'd say the words, well done, good and faithful servant. I pray that we'd be faithful until death. Father, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.